AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Bases loaded in this situation. Season on the line for Arizona. With that runner in scoring position in every inning, this is the first time they've loaded him up. But it's Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to the plate. First pitch. Bouncing ball up the middle. Seager's there. His throw is in time. And Houdini's gotten out of another. Nathan Avaldi, five innings, constant stress, nothing but zeros. The one-two pitch. Ground ball, base hit left field. Of course it's Corey Seager. It is always Seager. Breaks up the no-hitter to start the seventh. Not an 0-1. Grounds one through. Texas takes the lead. Seager's in to score. Carter stopped at third. And after six innings without a hit, three in a row here in the seventh. Under third, two out. Here's an 0-1 to Simeon. It's a four spot. It would be a fitting final touch to this run for the Rangers. Two balls, two strikes. Spores kicks and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise the wait is over and the celebration has begun straight up eight o'clock in the mountain standard time zone 11 o'clock on the east coast 10 o'clock back home in texas josh spores wraps it up and the Rangers are your World Series champions. Can you believe it? May the ghosts of 2011 be forever erased. Second down and 10. Levis, that pump. Hopkins behind the defender, and he's got it on the run. Third touchdown of the day. Levis to Hopkins for Tennessee. Now, Jay, you just posed a question about if they have their quarterback. I think uh, we're getting an early peek at what the answer might be. Two plays. They get the first down, but now time is the issue. Pickett forced a clock, and he tossed it ahead. Pickett is down. Jacksonville is running. Gotts has got Rolling Pickett. Feels a deflected pass, incomplete pass. And Pickett's in trouble. Taylor in trouble, and Chase Young with his second sack. It seemed like that snap kind of floated up high and threw off Taylor's rhythm and Chase Young now with five sacks on the year. So they know they can get home if they bring the right kind of pressure. Third down and four. Howell in trouble and down he goes. Leonard Williams with the sack. Four man rush. Love. End zone. Intercepted. Good night. Picked off by Amik Robertson. 
three tonight. Quarterback draw. The C's part. There goes Daniels again. He's looking for the end zone. Touchdown. And I'm telling you, Jaden Daniels gets to full speed so fast, you don't even know that he's run by you. A set of downs again for Alabama. Bad snap. Milrow scoops it up. And he's trying to make something out of nothing. They'll add Lev for the quarterback in his second start. And he is in. Touchdown, Alabama. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, November 2nd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Rangers uh, and the Diamondbacks. Let's uh, talk about the Diamondbacks today. What stood out during the uh, postseason run? Steelers and Titans. Thursday night football. Who you got tonight in Pittsburgh? Meanwhile, the 49ers and Seahawks, who wins the NFC West? They both added defensive linemen this week. Uh, the Packers, should Jordan Love be the starting quarterback after this season? Alabama or LSU, who you got Saturday in Tuscaloosa? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline, 915 uh, we'll have a Titans and Steelers Thursday night football preview. David Pope Claire will join us from uh, uh, the, he covers the Titans for Believe. Meanwhile, 9:30 will be interactive action. 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That'll include some Diamondbacks and Rangers game five analysis, and then in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup, topped by the latest line for Thursday night football. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, you see extra point. Hosted by Kayla, that will include more Diamondbacks and Rangers analysis and more phone call time, 602-260-1060. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, what most stood out during the Diamondbacks postseason run? Here are your options. Winning the final two games in Philadelphia to win the National League. The late-inning bullpen domination. And also your third choice, Cattell Marquez hitting streak, which ended last night quietly, unfortunately. Uh, Corey's here and has the early returns for that question. So what do we have there? Leading right now 100% is winning two games in Philly, KDUS1060.com. 100%. I'm a little surprised on that. That will change, I assume, by the time we get done with uh, the uh, three-hour radio block that just started. All right. Uh, next up, uh, well, a little more on the Diamondbacks. You know, the magical postseason run obviously ended, I think, with a thud, losing all three World Series games at home to the Rangers. But obviously, October was mostly all good. On to today's Twitter poll question. Who wins tonight in Pittsburgh, the Steelers or the Titans? And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Leading right now, Steelers 75% of the vote. Titans at 25% on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. 
The starting quarterbacks are expected to be Cody Pickett, who says he will play, versus the flavor of the week, Will Levis, who threw four touchdown passes on Sunday. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, uh, the uh, Spurs, excuse me, the 49ers, I don't know where I got the Spurs, the 49ers and the Seahawks, they both added defensive players this week. Uh, Chase Young went to San Francisco, Leonard Williams landed in Seattle. Will the 5-2 Seahawks finish first this season ahead of the now 5-3, excuse me, 5-3 49ers? Meanwhile, the Packers are not sold, apparently, not least not yet on Jordan Love. General Manager Brian Gutekunst said on Wednesday that Love's future in Green Bay could hinge on the, quote, very important next 10 games, end of quote. No kidding. <laughs> I would think that would be a big big part of it. Uh, should Jordan Love be the Packers' starting quarterback after this season? College football is Saturday slate. It should be fun. There's a lot of really good matchups. That includes former ASU quarterback uh, Jaden Daniels looking to add to his possible Heisman Trophy resume if he beats Alabama for a second consecutive season. Who wins on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa? Alabama minus three or LSU plus three? Or just tell me who wins if you want to throw in the point spread thing like I did in the question. That's no problem. We can follow along with that point spread thing. May not always agree with it, but we can follow along. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by a Thursday night Titans and Steelers preview. David Beauclair scheduled to join us. He covers the Titans for Believe. Meanwhile, once again at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Also, a little local roundup, uh, obviously includes some uh, Diamondbacks and Rangers analysis from last night and time pending. We'll get to uh, a few other things, a little bit on the Suns play tonight again against the Spurs, a revenge game for the Suns. Uh, there's, you know, I think they're... I don't believe in revenge terribly, uh, with terrible fre- with high frequency, let's put it that way, in the NBA. But since they just got embarrassed by them on Tuesday night and they play again tomorrow, or tonight, I should say, uh, I think that qualifies for revenge. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Titans uh, looked like a different team last Sunday with Will Levis at quarterback. Out to the KDUS hotline we go for the latest on the Titans. We're now joined in the sports zone by David Beauclair, I believe. And, David, good to have you on the show. And uh, let's start uh, 
Uh, it was a short week and on the road for a Thursday night game. NFL teams deal with these Thursday night games differently. How did the Titans deal with practice this week? You know they uh, they they've been pretty good on these uh, in these situations under Mike Vrabel, and they do uh, they do very little at uh, at full speed or in pads. They keep it to walkthroughs. They do uh, they do a lot of meetings. Uh, you know, I think I think Vrabel is still very much shaped by his playing career and and tries to uh, tries to take care of the the players as best he can and and is constantly sort of aware of or thinking of hey you know do these guys need rest how much rest do they need and and on a, on a week like this he, uh, he he trusts he trusts the work they've done through training camp and the and the first six or seven games of the season much more so than the work they would do this week all right that sounds right um it sounds fair sounds like a good idea <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably happy the trade deadline has passed. <laughs> so let, let's start yeah, with Derrick Henry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's interesting. When they, when they traded Kevin Byard eight days before the trade deadline, you yeah. figured, okay, at, at two and four and last place in the division and, and looking, looking uncompetitive at times, like this is the start of a fire sale. And then, uh, and, and then they, they stood pat. You, you wonder how much of that was shaped by uh, – shaped by the fact that they did play well on Sunday and that the future does look a lot clearer all of a sudden based on one good performance by Will Levis or you know but they but they're still woefully short in draft capital for the next couple of years they've got uh, they, they've gotten virtually nothing out of their 2020 and 2021 draft classes which yeah. you know those are guys who should be in the primes of their career right now and and they're and, and could be going to free agency so you're not going to be getting anything in the way of uh, compensatory picks by by those guys leaving or anything like that so there there's still sort of a murky future i do think they missed I think they missed an opportunity to, to, you know, sort of set themselves up better for the future because they did have some assets you could say, you know, could be moved and, and could have brought something of, of reasonable value at this time of year. Okay, so let's get into that. Uh, should the, the Titans, do you think they should have traded Derrick Henry? And Excuse me, <clears throat> Derrick Henry, and uh, were you surprised that he wasn't traded? I, I was surprised he, he wasn't <laughs> traded just because – they they have gotten quite a bit this year out of uh, a rookie running back out of the third round, Tajay Spears, yeah. and uh, you know it's it's sort of like you can see the future at that position. And and even though yes, you like Derrick Henry, and, and Derrick Henry's still a big part of this offense, you know he's the kind of player if you if you look at a, a Baltimore or a Buffalo or or maybe a Pittsburgh, like you could you could see teams that could look at Derrick Henry and say. He'd be of real value to us. Where you know we'll give up something meaningful to get him. But but I, you know I wonder about about that again. Going back to the way Levis played on Sunday, so much of the way opponents deal with the Titans is you you know the first thing you try to stop is Derrick Henry, and the second thing you try to stop is Derrick Henry, and the third thing you try to stop is Derrick Henry. <laughs> you know they're, they're they're dealing with they're dealing with eight and nine guys in the box down near the line of scrimmage all the time, and uh, you know if if Levis showed nothing else on Sunday, it's that he can complete deep balls, he can make teams pay for stacking the line of scrimmage, and and I I feel like this is uh, you know. In Mike Rabel's mind, he, he's like, "This is what I want my offense to be. This is this is exactly how I want it to look." And uh, 
so it, it almost makes me feel like now that, uh, you know, because Derrick Henry is in, in a contract year, and, and even at, at his age and, and all the mileage he has on him, I, I feel like he might get another, like, two-year deal from the Titans and, and stick around a while longer now. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, should they have traded him, or were you surprised that he wasn't traded? You know, I, I they shouldn't have traded him because he's the only thing they have going at wide receiver right now. You know, they do have a first-round pick from 2022 in, in Traylon Burks, but uh, mm-hmm. but he, he seems to be battling injuries all the time, hasn't, hasn't made the kind of impact they wanted yet. Beyond uh, beyond him, there's you know it, it's kind of a bunch of good pros, a, a veteran like Chris Moore, a relatively young guy, and Nick Westbrook Aquina. They got another 22 draft pick in, in Kyle Phillips, who they they think could be should be the prototypical slot receiver, but he can't stay healthy. And uh, uh, so you know if if you uh, if, if you traded Hopkins, then you who is who is on who is signed for another year past this one. Then I think mm-hmm. you, you know you're you're kind of looking at you're you're back to square one with this offense again, or at least back to where you were when you traded away AJ Brown, and that you have nothing to threaten defenses down the field. And like I said earlier, I think that's you know that's exactly what they need because of the way teams deal with Derrick Henry. Yeah, when Hopkins was here, it was almost breaking news when he actually did practice <laughs> during the season. Uh, so I'm curious, do, have the Titans got what they expected out of Hopkins when they signed him? Well, I, yeah, I, I think so. It, it, it I think it, it, a little more in, in some ways. He's been a really good presence in the locker room. He's a guy who uh, he, he's a guy who deals. I, I, I'm surprised how well he's dealt with the media in terms of like he'll he'll. He'll he'll step up and honestly speak about situations and tamp down controversies and say, "Hey, you need to not be on this guy so hard because," or, or you know, I get what you're saying why you're you guys think this is terrible and yeah, but here's why it's going to get better. And it, it reminds me of uh, actually when Demarco Murray was here. He, you know, he was not mm. he, he, he not not a guy that you would say was talkative. But, but a guy who had been around and sort of understood the league and, and how it worked and, and was, was, you know, really an, an important voice in the locker room. And, and Hopkins has been that. Now, he, you know, he, he didn't practice this week. He even, like, walked through stuff. They, they listed him as limited. And, and it, it seems like every week he's on the injury report with something else and is, you know, misses a day or is, is limited for two days or whatever. But, but then he's getting out there and, and playing, and, and he's easily the most productive receiver that, that this team has had, you know, outside of A.J. Brown in, in quite a long time. So, uh, you know, on pace for 1,000 yards, kind of doing all the things that, that DeAndre Hopkins typically has done at, at, at his stops. And, and he, uh, he, he had an immediate connection Sunday with Will Levis, obviously, too, which, uh, which uh, I, I think yep. is, is odd. You know, you don't, you don't see that a lot of times when the, when the backup quarterback comes in, you know, that he, that he deals well with the, with the number one wide receiver because, you know, presumably they haven't practiced a lot together. But, uh, but they, you know, they had a better connection than Ryan Tannehill and Hopkins have had all season. David Beauclair, Curly in the sports zone. Okay, on to Will Levis. We finally get to Will Levis here, at least I do. Uh, so flavor of the week, uh, flavor of the rest of the season, or flavor of many years to come? It, it's, it's a really good question. He's certainly flavor of years to come because, uh, 
you know, anytime you can have a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, uh, you know, I think that gives you the best chance to, to win in this league. So they'll have him under contract for three more years. Ryan Tannehill's contract is up this year. You know, Tannehill has had a ridiculously large cap number the last two seasons, uh, particularly in light of the production that he's had. Uh, you know, he's, he's clearly in decline at this point and now seems to get injured when that wasn't an issue his first couple years with the Titans. But the, but the big question is, you know, is it for the rest of the year or not? Um, Mike Vrabel had said for a couple of weeks, you know, because because Tannehill got hurt against the uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, then the Titans had their open date, and then uh, and then finally played Sunday when Levis made his debut. and And Mike Vrabel was adamant, you know, as soon as Ryan Tannehill's healthy enough, he's our quarterback, no questions asked. Well, Monday he was asked sort of the same <laughs> question, and it it was. Well, we'll make that determination when the time comes. So he, he's already, after one performance, sort of left the door open for them to ride with Levis the rest of this year. I think uh, I think a lot of it will depend on on you know kind of how the next game or two goes, where they where they are in the in the playoff chase. Because at three and four, you know they're they're not that far out up right now they're they're one of three afc teams that are three and four they've beaten one of the other two which is the chargers the the third one is the houston texans who they're going to play twice so they can you know you can see a path easily above those two teams then you've got a couple of four and three teams in the playoff picture right now you know among the top seven in the afc and one of those four and three teams is the pittsburgh steelers who they played tonight so uh you know if 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 they win a couple of games here, it, it, I think it'll get it'll get really interesting because I think you certainly want Tannehill's experience and 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 what he has with what he has done for this team the last couple of years. You know, a couple of division championships, a trip to the AFC Championship game, all that sort of stuff. There's there's no doubt there's value in that, and, and I think you at some point you'd have to go back to him. But I but I think if Levis is playing well and delivering victories. It at least gives the Titans the the luxury to say, you know what, Ryan, take one more week, and we'll look at you <laughs> next week, and then say, you know what, Ryan, take one more week. Let's make sure you're really, really healthy before you get back out there. Because honestly, last year that's what happened. He rushed back from an ankle injury and then hurt himself again at the end of the year, and they didn't have him for two games when they needed to win one to get into the playoffs. So. Uh, it's uh, I, I, I think it, I think that's probably how it plays out is that they you know they 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 just wait longer than you might think they would but eventually they will go back to Tannehill this year. Okay, David, I'm a little skeptical about Levis. I watched him a lot in college. <laughs> uh, there were you know, we saw a lot of you know, certainly arm strength. Nobody's ever questioned that. But there were a lot of throws that seemed to be closer to the band and the cheerleaders than the actual players on the field. Uh, so I'm skeptical. So try to change my mind on that. Yeah, I, you know I hear you, and and, uh, and and there was a big there was a big difference between his last two years in college too, right? When when he lost a lot of talent around him, he couldn't yes. keep Kentucky as competitive as they were in 2021, and and. I, I thought the same thing like that. That to me was a red flag. Like, you know, your quarterback has to be, you know, has to be the guy who can elevate the people around him, not, not the other yep, way around. Totally. But I, I mean, mm. I'll, I'll say this. He was, he was really good pre-snap on Sunday. 
you know, it seemed like when, you know, with the check with me stuff, when he, uh, when, when he, when he went to the secondary call, it, it, it was the right move there. You know, they weren't, they weren't up against the play clock all day with, uh, you know, with getting in and out of the huddle and him trying to, to make his decisions and what to do. I, 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 he looked very much in control of the offense and, and what they were asking him to do. Um, so I, I think it was a good start this way. Now, you know, we'll see. It, it, it helped him, too, that the offensive line had probably its best game of the of the season. And, uh, you know, this this is a line that has been pretty close to terrible for most of the year. And and I think tonight's game will be will be really telling because we all know Pittsburgh is going to blitz. They're going to come from a bunch of different places. Jade, you know, Watt is going to move around and, uh, you know, he's he's he's. He's going to be back there all day. If uh, I, I want to, I want to see if he looks like he he feels the pressure because he he was really really calm Sunday and and stood in there. You know, it, it, I mean that's one thing you you got to stand in there and, and wait and let the let the rush kind of start to converge on you to, before you can make some of those throws downfield and, uh, mm-hmm. and and he showed a lot of calm and a lot of poise there. But but in Pittsburgh in prime time. The challenges that that defense presents, and, and Pittsburgh coming off a loss, you know Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh hasn't lost back-to-back games since the the first half of last season. They, you know, they they seem to always respond well to losses. So I think, uh, I I think he's probably going to have his hands full tonight. Oh, so let's flip this to the defense. Uh, I got asked about Jeffrey Simmons, one of the best players. I want uh, really one of the best players, period, offense or defense in the league. What makes him so good? He, he's just he's just one of those guys in a league of big strong men. He's just stronger than almost everybody, and and you'll see you'll see two or three plays a game where he's engaged with a with a guard or a tackle, and then all of a sudden he just throws the guy to the ground and and goes after the ball carrier or the quarterback or whatever. He's uh, and, and he's 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 got great footwork. He's he's more agile than than a guy that size should be and and you know he he's one of those guys who and i think it has to do with the fact that he's just he's just naturally that big too you know we've all seen offensive linemen and defensive linemen when they're playing careers and suddenly they lose 70 pounds and they look like you know they look like a different uh, a different yeah. human being and and you know you you start to understand what it took for them to to be the size they were and, and to, to do the things they did in the NFL. Jeffrey Simmons is, is going to be, you know, at or about 300 pounds, I assume his entire adult life, because he's just, you know, he's just that way. And, uh, and, and he's a, and he's a guy who cares, you know, he had got gotten some trouble at, right before he went to college. There were, there were, you know, some teams had red flags for character on him coming out of Mississippi state and, and reports where there were a few that wouldn't draft him at all. Um, so he, uh, I, he, he seems to, he, he seems to understand that, uh, you know, the opportunity he has to play this game and to make a lot of money and do those sorts of things and doesn't take it for granted. So he, uh, he, he just, he, he's just a guy who goes hard and, and creates a lot of problems for offensive lines. You mentioned uh, the Tennessee offensive line against the Pittsburgh defense. How about tonight? What will you be paying attention to most when the Tennessee defense goes against the Pittsburgh offense? Well, I, I think uh, you know the, the the big thing is the the secondary, and 
they have been uh, they, they have given up too many plays. They've been particularly bad on third and long. It, it, it seems like every game they're they're giving up two or three third and twelves or, or third and nines or whatever. You know the, the situations where you're thinking, okay, this is just prelude to a punt. All of a sudden the chains move and and they, they have to stay out there. You know with uh, with Kevin Byard having been traded. The safety rotation is is a little different now. They've got uh, they've got Elijah Molden, who they drafted as a slot cornerback, and and that hasn't worked exactly the way they wanted. He is he is now a safety. They but that I mean that was the plan going into this season. He spent all off season in training camp learning to play safety, and suddenly he's a starting safety. So, you know he he played well. He he played well on Sunday, and and I you know but. Again, that's one game. I, I think so. You, you have to see how how he and Amani Hooker communicate back there, and and how they're used. And then uh, cornerback Christian Fulton, who is a who is a fourth year guy, has been a good productive player. Um, has been terrible for most of the season in in what is a contract mm. year for him. Um, mm. He's been uh, he's been better the last two weeks, and and if he starts to play more or continues to play more like the player that, that he is and should be, then, then this defense looks pretty good. But, you know, that to me, that's the, that's kind of the key for this defense is third and long, because with Jeffrey Simmons and with Danico Autry and with Tierra Tart up front, it's, it's tough to run against this team. And, and there are yeah. going to be a number of third and seven, third and eight, third and 10, third and 12, whatever, you know, there, those, there are going to be those, those, situations in this game and if the if the titans give up give up the yards and and give up the first downs in those situations it's it's going to be a long night if this you know this is a defense that's good enough to keep you in the game as long as they're getting off the field on third down so that's that's the whole key for me with this unit so who wins tonight i i I think i think pittsburgh wins just simply because you look at what the uh you look at what the Titans have done this season. They they have not won outside of uh, outside of Nissan Stadium. They lost in Week One at New Orleans, in Week Three at Cleveland. They lost in Week Five at at Indianapolis, and then technically their 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 game against the Ravens. They were the home team, but that game was played in London, and they lost that. So they're they're three and zero in Nissan Stadium. They're zero and five elsewhere, or, or excuse me, zero and four elsewhere, and. Uh, you know, gambler's logic is you don't bet on a streak to end. So, and, and you know, I, I, I was in, I was in Pittsburgh. I forget what year it was now, maybe 2002 or whenever, whenever Heinz field opened that, that first year, the Titans played the first primetime game in that stadium and, uh, and got run out of the building. I remember Jerome Bettis just going wild. It was a, it was uh, I think they got shut out that night. It was, and, and I, I've never forgotten that, you know, Pittsburgh at night is a, uh, is a whole different thing, but you know, thir- the, the, I think the key is if the Titans can hit maybe one of those long passes early Thursday night seems to be, uh, if you can get the lead, it, it's harder for teams to sort of pump it up and, and come back because guys are tired. It's the short week and whatnot. So I think that's the great equalizer for the Titans. If they can, if they can hit one of those big plays early, then it gets interesting, but otherwise, I think uh, I think it's probably going to be the Steelers' night. David, I really appreciate it. Thanks for making time for us. Oh, always a pleasure. You guys have a great day.
You too. Thank you very much. David Beauclair, I believe, covers the Titans. Good stuff there. Yeah, the Thursday night, uh, Pittsburgh, I'm sure that that's – I've never gone to a game in this stadium, uh, but uh, the old stadium, I've been there. They needed, to dunk, they needed to tear that place down like five minutes after they built it. But uh, anyway, uh, they play that Renegade song from Styx, and uh, people go wild. All right, so we'll see what happens tonight. Next segment, phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get in at least a little bit from uh, Diamondbacks and Rangers game five last night. The final game of the baseball season. I'm always a little depressed. The final game of the baseball season. Even more a little, uh, even more depressed with the Diamondbacks season. Uh, as fun as it was in this, uh, well, we're in November now, but in October. It was still fun in October, then it turned to November, and they didn't win a game in November, as it turns out. Uh, but we'll get to a little bit about that. If you want to get in phone call-wise, general discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlelux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlelux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, we got a little phone call time in this uh, segment, 602-260-1060. Uh, let's get a little local roundup in here. Uh, the Diamondbacks' uh, unlikely postseason ended quietly last night. The bats were really silent. Uh, they allowed many scoring opportunities to waste, go to waste in the 5-0 World Series Game 5 loss to the Rangers. The Rangers win their first World Series ever. The Diamondbacks finished with only five hits, but they left 11 run on base. They were 0-9 for nine with runners in scoring position. And that's somewhat fitting because you know, clutch was a frequent issue during much of the season, especially after the All-Star break. I talked a lot about how they didn't hit with runners in scoring position. And the game that ended their season, that certainly happened last night. Seven of the nine Diamondback starters had at least one at bat without a hit with runners in scoring position, including Tommy Pham and Geraldo Perdomo, who was zero for two in those situations. Uh, most of the lack of clutch hitting came against Texas starting pitcher Nathan Avaldi. Uh, they had at least the Diamondbacks at least one at bat with a runner in scoring position for each of the first five innings. Had zero hits in those situations. Evaldi's first 95 pitches, 43 of those were with a runner in scoring position. That's an astronomical number. And uh, at that point, uh, the Diamondbacks were zero for nine with runners in scoring position and left nine runners on base in those first five innings. The lack of offense wasted the best performance of Zach Gallon's career. Six in the third innings, one run on three hits, one walk, six strikeouts. He did not allow a hit until the seventh inning when Corey Seager uh, got a single to left field, which would have been back in the day when third baseman stood at third base or near third base in their usual position. That would have been an out. But uh, unfortunately for Gallon, he never pitched with a lead in the game. The Rangers added four runs in the eighth inning, capped by Mark, uh, Marcus Simeon's two-run homer uh, for the final margin. So the Rangers win their first ever championship. We'll have more on this and uh, more on the Rangers and Diamondbacks in the extra point today hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. 
All right, out to the phone lines we go. Elvis, what's going on? Bob, first of all, uh, did you get the new Rolling Stones album? I did not. It is fantastic. The best since the 70s. You got to get it. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. Really. Best, oh. best since Exile on Main Street. Woo. Believe me, and I okay. got about every Stones album since then. But on okay. to the Diamondbacks, Avaldi uh, was Houdini. I mean, he was. Good Lord, how many times he got out of them jams. You just thought if they could get one run across, you know, the way Gallon was going, that they get it back to Texas. But I got to give it up. After they swept my Cubs in Arizona, I said they're going to the playoffs. They And I, I think I congratulated Derek Hall and wished him well. He's a class act. You know, yes. and they got a young, exciting team. They brought, uh, ex, ex, you know, an exciting brand of baseball back. You know, we're lifelong baseball fans. It's nice to see that some old school is coming back into the game. You know, hitting and running, bunting, stealing bases, not playing home run derby. I agree. And, yeah, I think that certainly I don't think they completely planned for this, but the rules changes certainly helped the Diamondbacks. And there are some other sure. teams that took advantage of that. But, I think it's safe to say, uh, I mentioned this during the season some, but probably not enough. I don't think there's a team that actually, you know, you know took advantage is a wrong term, but you know what I get. You know what I mean here. Right. They took advantage of the new rules. I think that the Diamondbacks did that better than any team in baseball. You know, the Reds, I know, had more stolen bases, but the Reds also led the world in stupid outs running the bases. Right, right. And, and, and in the World Series, you know, the Walker blunder, there was a couple of blunders there. But, I mean, nobody thought they'd sweep the Dodgers. I know you thought they'd get swept by the Phillies. I never. Nobody thought they'd yeah. go back to Philly and win I, two games. I, I mean, they right. I actually, I actually kind of liked them again. I kind of liked them against the Dodgers, actually. But, uh, I did, too. I know, didn't think they'd sweep yeah. them. But I, I thought that's no, I didn't I think open. that. You know, if the Cubs got in, the Dodgers were so vulnerable with their starting pitch. Correct. That I, yes. I thought that, you know, they, they they could be beat. But, you know, they far exceeded expectations. We're Absolutely. to see at Bruce, but we got to wait a few months. But I, uh, I know it'll be worth it, you know, get healthy. That's correct. And, you know, hopefully Absolutely. We're, still, we're still kicking next year, Bob. That's what I told my friend. Who are, you know, actually, I'm going to that show with a bunch of my old-timer friends, and we're all hoping we're still alive in March when he's rescheduled for March downtown Phoenix. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Yep. And, it's we, also the, also, and we got our Bellinger bet, don't forget. I forgot what it was. Oh, he, he's no, not going to be Bellinger with the Cubs. So re re-signed re with the Cubs. Well, you know, I'm Okay. Hope. You're going to lose you that. Care, so. Bob. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll be a pleasure to give you a drink, Bob. No problem. Okay. Well, I'll give it to somebody else because I don't drink anymore. So there you go. I'm just no fun anymore. So it's uh, I try to have my fun in the radio now, and uh, most days that is uh, something I accomplish, I think, well. All right, quickly, the Suns and the Spurs play tonight. Second time in three nights, both games in downtown Phoenix. Kind of uh, this, this has been going on in the NBA for a few years now. You have the home and home back to backs. You know they're not like a, it's not even a home and home. It's just back to back, and both games are home here for the Suns. Of course, on Tuesday night they blew the twenty point lead, and then Frank Vogel inexplicably failed to call an obvious timeout in the final seconds. 
and that led to a loss against a young Spurs team that had lost its previous game by or their previous game by 40 points to the Lakers. Uh, will Devin Booker play for just the second time this season? Will Bradley Beal make his season debut in Game Five? Uh, they said the sun set on the Tuesday that uh, there's no timetable for either of them to return. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. Meanwhile, the one and seven Cardinals remain eight point underdogs on the road against the four and three Browns. Deshaun Watson actually participated in Wednesday's practice. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we will preview the Brown side of things in the 915 segment of the Friday Sports Zone. Meanwhile, the two and six Sun Devils are still 11 point road underdogs at six and two Utah. And the five and three Wildcats over the last 24 hours have gone from two and a half to three point home underdogs uh, in most worldwide betting locations. Uh, and that's in Saturday night's game against six and two UCLA. It's uh, I have no explanation as to why that game moved up a half point pretty much everywhere yesterday. I thought maybe somebody's injured. What's going on? And I wasted about half an hour of my valuable time yesterday afternoon trying to find out, and I didn't find out anything. So maybe I just missed it, but I sure tried to find out what might have happened. So I couldn't find an explanation. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's radio program, at least this one-hour radio program called The Sports Zone. Don't forget the extra point coming up next. We'll have more on the Diamondbacks uh, in the uh, extra point, and uh, we'll get to a few other fun things, I'm sure, that Kayla has planned over the next two hours. And she's running the show, and I just try to follow along and make some sense occasionally. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Okay, welcome back. Final segment. Going to be a lightning fast segment here. We previewed Tennessee and Pittsburgh with David Beauclair earlier this hour. And uh, the Steelers, two and a half point favorite in the consensus line, at least in Nevada. There are some threes popping up, for instance. Uh, there's a three right now at the Golden Nugget, and there's a three at the Westgate Superbook. Uh, and also, I just and now there is one at the Station Casinos also. Uh, but it's still consensus sitting at two and a half tonight. Total in that game, pretty much 37 everywhere. Uh, meanwhile, some other quick things are ripped from the headlines uh, for Major League Baseball. Actually, let me get up. I didn't mention this in the pipeline. I know some people are probably angry with me, but sorry. Uh, Bob Knight, who won three national titles in Indiana, sixth winningest coach in Division I college basketball history, died on Wednesday at the age of 83. Now on to some baseball. Uh, from the Associated Press, uh, this year's World Series games between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, the least viewed uh, fall classic in television history, uh, at least games two and three, the least watched on record, according to the Nielsen people. I'm sure we'll get the other ratings in here in the next few days. I don't think anybody's surprised about this. Again, it was fun baseball to watch with both those teams for different reasons, but not exactly national attractions, the Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, the Raiders uh, switching to the NFL are continuing uh, you know, going to the NFL here. Uh, they fired Josh McDaniels on, on, on you know, basically, I guess it was Monday, uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending on where you live. Uh, I didn't realize, I actually knew, but I forgot, he had a six-year contract. 
All right, you know, so shame on the Raiders. If you're going to give a coach a six-year contract, you know, I don't feel sorry for you at all if you have to fire him before the end of the second season, which is what they did. Josh Allen did not participate in Wednesday's Bills practice due to his right shoulder injury, but he did say afterwards that he expects to play on Sunday against the Bengals. I hope he does. That's one of the best games of the weekend, of which uh, Saturday and Sunday, I think that this is going to be the best uh, NFL college NFL weekend collectively, at least going in of uh, this season. And uh, click, uh, lastly, Ohio State running back Mayan Williams, who is by far their best short yardage running back, is going to miss the rest of the season after he underwent surgery. Ryan Day announced that earlier this week. All right, next two hours, the extra point hosted by Kayla. That'll include much more on the Diamondbacks. And uh, unfortunately, the end of their season, their magical playoff run is over after five games of the World Series and the Texas Rangers win their first ever World Championship after, you know, go back to, I think it was 1961, the first year that the franchise actually played in Washington as the Senators. But uh, Rangers clearly the better team, really in every area. And uh, they showed that basically in the five-game series. Um, I would just, I'll just say win. I won't throw in like a demolition type of thing. Uh, we'll also have more phone call time in the next two hours, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.